0: NBC Sports Football Morning and American columnist Peter King, what do you think about the Chase Thomas podcast?
1: I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being.
0: Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fan's Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps.
1: chase thomas Podcast. the chase thomas podcast um my nephew needs me to record see i hate
0: i already hate it i hate it all right hello and welcome back to another episode of the chase thomas podcast where i'm still the aforementioned chase thomas coming to you live from knoxville tennessee everything school hq haven't said that in a few weeks but Uh, The good folks down there in Athens and in the state of Georgia need to be reminded from time to time because there was this weirdo uh, point being made. My mom even sent it to me about the number of golfers uh, who were on the tour, who competed, who were past dogs. But, I mean, look, do you really want to celebrate the defectors to live golf like the Bubba Watsons of the world? Not me. Not me, Matt Green, down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green, is this all you have? Like what is this? I'm I like I see who's liking the tweets. It's I think Graham liked it, but uh your brother is just an instigator. He's a stirrer of the of the pot with uh You're with not this wrong tweet.
1: about that. You're not wrong about that at all. But the Masters one, that was a that was a big time stat. You gotta you gotta flex on that stat. I mean, it was I think sixteen uh, former SEC golfers in the Masters, and eight of them were from Georgia. Like half of them? Like not I don't think another school had two guys. Um, so it's uh really impressive. I don't know if like living in Georgia has anything to do with like that potentially qualifying, right? It's a it's a national or it's a international tournament, right? Um but yeah, it was still impressive. I've, Tennessee fans have just gone so far with this everything school stuff. Georgia fans are like, "Hey, don't forget about us, all right? We we are good at other sports. Like we're just we haven't been are good you? at basketball in like the And baseball, you're
0: the worst team 10, in the SEC this year. Years. In baseball, once again.
1: They were in a college world series uh, in the finals. What was that, two thousand eight? Like that's what I'm saying. George's <clears throat> excuse me, George's got a respectable a dynasty in women's gymnastics, like for what, twenty years. Like, I'm just saying. And right now I think they're like the best track team in like the country.
0: Tennessee I don't know also much track, by the way.
1: I don't know much about track, but I know Georgia's got that that white dude, Matthew Bowling, that just is an absolute uh, unicorn out there i think they won the i'm pretty sure i just saw they won something recently i don't know if it was a team championship or just they were like won some relay at the championships it was something something like that but yeah you're
0: just having to squint though that's the problem is for georgia fans to try and figure out the everything school you're trying to squint you're like Maybe work are at track. Remember when you're football, holding the We got
1: football, man. We don't need anything else. But we're like, while you guys are talking about everything else, it's not like we're just terrible at everything. Like Georgia's a big time athletic program. I and mean, it's like 48 national championships or something like that. Hold on, like, hold on. It's like you...
0: twice as many as, a, as Tennessee. Can we stick to what's current, what is? We're not saying Tennessee was an everything school. We're not saying Georgia was an everything school. We're saying what is now. We are saying... What is the current climate of the two universities? And the current climate is Georgia. We saw the numbers on recruiting. We saw the resources that are being poured into the Georgia football program. And it's recording. That Kirby copter is not going to pay for itself. So when you invest. Worth every penny. Well, there you go. I mean, that's just where it is. So I don't think Georgia fans should. Now, look, it would bother me. Like I'm not even kidding. Like this is not a just tongue-in-cheek type thing. I would still rather be really good at a lot of the big three than being exceptionally elite at one of the big three, even if it's football. And I don't even think this no. is a popular take in Knoxville. I, I would assume most Tennessee fans would prefer to be in Georgia's situation um, by and large. But I want the health. I I'm a year. Euro- I don't like wishing my life away, Matt Green. Georgia fans have to wish their life away. Like that's a tough, tough look for Georgia fans when football season ends. When January leaves, you're like, do we, do we get invested in Xavier Wheeler throwing, coming back they're to the full parades
1: field? in January? That's what they're doing in January. Well,
0: that's fine. What we're doing is we're getting ready for baseball season. We're enjoying another Tennessee uh, great basketball season. The Lady Vols have a top ten pick once again in the WNBA draft. You look all across the board. Softball's top twenty-five. Like you look at men's baseball, right there at number eleven. Even in a down year, they're number eleven. I'll and take the sp-
1: extra month and a half of enjoying the football season because a Would lot you? of these teams, a lot of these teams, football season doesn't even get to December. And mm-hmm. if you're in the playoff, you're in the national championship, you're playing into January. I'm sorry, so. was, who was
0: number one at one point in this season, Matt Green? Who I'm was saying they, eh. their
1: season ended before December? Though it's like they no, they didn't. It didn't. I mean, they played a bowl game, but it's That's... like they played in November and it's like that was it. And it's, and it's like then the season's over. If you're not in the playoff, your season's basically over. Like your your coaches are leaving, players are just opting out. It's like the season is basically over. Like You're no longer playing with your team or the opponent is like not 100. Like there's everyone's in transition, essentially, unless you're in the college football playoff for the the vast majority of teams.
0: This sounds like some classic just. And everything school envy. If I've ever heard it, Matt Green, this is some everything school envy. Well,
1: I mean, it's obviously it, there's a plenty of Georgia fans that are bothered by not having a, a good basketball program. It's like especially with what Atlanta and like the Metro Atlanta area produces in terms of basketball talent. Like, there's no excuse for Georgia to not have a competent basketball program. But
0: now you got I think everyone coming to the A to out recruit. Um... What is it? Why? I, I, want, I want to say Danny White, but Mike White. You know, Damon
1: Stoudemire, his kids played at Lambert uh, and really? Forsyth. Yeah, hmm. I think he had two kids. That's um, where my brother went. Oh, is that right? So, hmm. and yeah, and Jerry Stackhouse too. Like his kids went to North Gwinnett. Now he's I was going to uh, say, didn't he go to North? A, yeah. Yeah, now he's a. Uh, <laughs> or his one son, and then he had like. There was like a stack house, like clan kind of thing. It was like three kids or something. He was like a legal guardian over or something, and he like brought a whole squad to North Gwinnett. Like it, interesting. I didn't know that. It, yeah, it like it. North Gwinnett had to go through a transition after that. It like it kind of depleted the program. Like people transferred out after all these guys transferred in. Then the coaching change, and then yeah, you know, now now they're good again.
0: Well, but... Dominique's son is a star basketball player at Parkview right now.
1: Okay, so yeah, I mean all kinds of talent in basketball in the state of Georgia. So there, sure. from that perspective, there are definitely people out there that are Georgia fans that are diehard basketball fans that are frustrated by, what, like three tournament appearances in the last decade, 15 years or so. So, I mean, it's it's definitely could be better, but every SEC fan cares the most about college football. Like, at the end of the day, college football is just – it's second to none. And if you're winning back-to-back national championships, there's just absolutely – Georgia is the envy of every other athletic program in, in college football and college sports right now. Honestly, just winning back to back college football. Like college football is clearly like, I mean, no disrespect to the college basketball, because I enjoy the tournament and I enjoy the Cinderella's. There's all the the naysayers out there that are like, oh, it's fun for the Cinderella's, but actually they kind of ruin the tournament. It's just it's like a casual take of like, oh, I want to see different teams, and then when you get different teams, you're like, oh, the ratings are going to be terrible. I don't want to watch that. It's like San Diego State played well throughout the tournament. FAU played great throughout the tournament. like that's how they got to the final four. So I don't care about TV ratings, but you look at the college basketball, like just how big the final four really felt compared to college football. and it's it, to me it's not it's it's night and day. Like I'm not a TV ratings guy, but I think, it does tell you a lot about just how how much people care about the two sports.
0: Yeah, I don't I think it's just real weirdo sicko behavior for folks to care about T V ratings. And if your reflex to anything is just like, Oh, what what a nightmare for CBS to just a final <laughs> four, then you probably aren't a sports fan. You're probably just like I I don't think we're gonna get along because that's just not yeah. how you should view anything. It's like oh CBS is, that is
1: doing fine.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Why are you worried they about the budget? They only made budgets?
1: thirty billion dollars this year, or something.
0: Uh, you don't work for them; I, it doesn't matter. The only people that should care about ratings are the people that actually work in those in those buildings. I will Matt. say you... your
1: branding's catching on, though, because we—I had a fantasy draft, uh, had a few buddies over a few few weeks ago for um, for our fantasy league and one of my buddies who listens to the pod is just like everything school hq like he (laughs) uh he threw it out there when he came over it was uh it was good we also had rosati's and he was like he he saw it he's like is this the this the park cooked pizza you've been hyping up on the pod yeah so pulled out uh pulled out all the stops for the fantasy draft
0: there you go um your fantasy baseball draft though right yeah okay
1: man Uh, i don't
0: know you're just to be able to do this in your thirties and to really commit because ba- fantasy baseball is a different kind of commitment football. It's just like you set your lineups, you, you do your draft party and get ready. And then by and large, it's a pretty easy commitment to stick to throughout the course of the season fantasy baseball. And look, I really enjoyed, I played in one league um, when I was in high school and it was a lot of fun because it required you. It, there was a lot more skill in fantasy baseball than fantasy football. Like you have to be on it and if everyone is on fantasy baseball like involved and really, really in on it in your league, it's a lot of fun because there's so much strategy involved if uh if you stick to it and it's just every day matters in a fantasy baseball season. So it's a it's a bigger commitment, um, Matt Green. So I respect you for keeping that going.
1: Yes sir, man. I just fantasy baseball I just it's it's the superior fantasy product for sure i also not to toot my own horn won the fantasy basketball championship as well you know so really
0: things the I organization can, really that. clicking right now you need to break um, at some point you need to keep going the, three straight
1: that's true honestly like the championship was like the week of the fantasy baseball draft and it's just it's just one after the other but actually we don't even have a fantasy football league anymore because we actually like my group of friends we just weren't as into it as the other two sports
0: that's so but, weird um, That is the weirdest thing I've ever heard, where it's like, fantasy football, that thing that's like the second biggest entity in the United States outside of just actual football, we're out on that one. We're in on fantasy basketball and baseball. It started like
1: freshman, sophomore year of high school, and then, I don't know, I went up to like 2017, 2018, it was like, had like a 10-year run or so. Wait, so uh, you haven't
0: played fantasy football in like six years?
1: I I will join people's leagues here and there, Mm. but like that I don't really like. You know if someone needs somebody you know but yeah I, i'm 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 casual i'm a very casual nfl fan
0: i have a fantasy fantasy sports take mac green oh
1: what is this
0: your friends and listeners probably won't be surprised by this
1: just feels um, like a hater something hater coming but it hit me
0: it's not a hater look i'm a big proponent of do what you love like don't worry about if people judge or care about like if you're like well, just live and let live I'm not a big policer of letting people like things that are different than what I like. What I am saying is that I don't like the feeling like when I go. So because I'm not in network uh, in Atlanta anymore, right? Sunday afternoons, I'm going to the bar because I'm not paying like, and you saw the new YouTube TV numbers for a Sunday ticket bonkers. What they're asking bonkers like that's never happening. I am never paying 500 bucks for a year. That is an insane number. So what was the
1: exact number? It's like
0: 500 for the full season, if for I remember. For a
1: full season? That's for every single game? Be able to watch every single game? Yes. Yeah. I think it's like an extra our $5 pass. a month for our cable to get the Red Zone It's like $10 channel.
0: for Red Zone.
1: I'm like, that's all I need is a Red Zone channel.
0: I mean, goodness gracious. It's something bonkers. But anyway, my thing, Matt Green, is I don't like when I'm out watching the Falcons, taking my notes getting in on that i'm not a red zone guy i like watching a full game from start to finish i know what happened i know how the thing went i know the rhythms of the game when you're in red zone you don't really understand the rhythms you're just seeing the end results in a lot of a lot of scenarios it's hard to keep track of what's happening you don't feel like you have a great feel for what's going on around you all that being said with fantasy I don't want a feeling where I am watching the Falcons and one of my most important players is on the opposing team and I'm in a close game and I'm like, I need the Falcons to win this football game. I hate when I say I hate the feeling of like, I kind of need Alvin Kamara to do really well here, but not too well, just well enough for me to, that is not good for sports fan brain. It's not good for my just general well-being and how I want to live my NFL Sunday, so I'm not in it. And here's the problem: I think my wife loves it. I think my <laughs> wife loves fantasy football. Like she made me do uh, a bracket. Funny. She, it was like an I. Like she was so in. She's not a sports person, and that's like her in. So she likes doing that, and I don't have the heart because I love my wife, Matt Green, To tell her I can't stand fantasy football oh. or fantasy sports because i don't want to have those feelings i don't want to care what player x is doing especially if it's against my team and i have to have this weird vested interest in one player doing well but not too well because then it really affects like that's just not good for the brain it's not healthy it's a sports fan. Uh,
1: see it's fantasy 101 is that you always root for your team over your fantasy team like that's that's You can just...
0: say that, but it's only natural for you to have it in the back of your mind where you kinda do want that player to do well. It's only natural. No,
1: it's a it's a win win. You know, it's like if that How guy if he gets a fifty yard touchdown, then that's solid fantasy points. But I would prefer he doesn't and my team locks him down. So that's what I'm rooting to happen. But you know.
0: Also I'm just But then such you're kinda a... smiling if he does it. And that's not good either. But you're
1: at the end of the day, you should always root for your team first. Like, Hold like, on. If like last college, week, like, yeah. like Arenado hits a bomb, but the Braves still get the win. It's like, let's go, that's perfect. <laughs> Braves got a nice little lead, Arenado, give him a nice little, little garbage time, two run home run. Well, I guess that's a
0: little different because there's 162 games. So it's like, I don't really, you're, you're not as emotionally invested in game after game. I mean, I'm sure there are some sickos who are living and dying by the Braves uh, one game at a time. But I will say, West Blankenship, front of the pod over at Dogs HQ, he did have a good tweet where it's like Braves fans have like football brain where they live and die by every game where it's like the season's over because the Braves went through a brief skid where they lost three straight to the pods over the weekend. And it's like, uh-oh, now like the wheels are coming off and it's like we're 10 games into the year. But because you just have a lot of Braves fans and you're in the Southeast and SEC country, that it translates where you're like you, – it's hard to turn off football brain where it's like, no, if you do lose three three in a row – in football season, that means your program's in serious trouble. It's not that's how it true. works in baseball. We're not used
1: to losing down here, uh, no. you know. But uh, that's excellent segue here because I yeah. have a I have a confession here to make. Oh no! Um, on tonight's podcast, so um, you know I'm not proud of what I did, you know. But uh, I, I felt this is this is a safe space. I need to come to you, you know. I need to let this out. So um, oh, Monday night, thing? okay. Monday night, uh, a buddy of mine uh, wasn't using his tickets for the Braves game. Me and Tori went to the. Uh, oh, I know where this Braves is going. Reds. You left. I know where this is going. Oh, I know man. what happened here. I am a. I'm a big. I'm a big proponent. of not leaving games early. I. Uh, I'm
0: right. I knew this was what the. Was and happening here. So, so we great. came
1: down. We were like standing room. Also sidebar. The ushers that care about sitting in like sections that aren't even good seats, <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, oh, we were, we just like got like a pretzel or something, so we just wanted to sit down. Like we we're in like the 300 level, like way down the left field line somewhere, like not a person in this section. Wait, hold
0: on, your friend left you standing room tickets? No,
1: I'm saying we were like just walking around. Oh, like, I was, was gonna say, that's not a cold packed, move to not tell It was tell not a you. packed audience okay. um, or packed crowd that night. but. This particular section, we just got up and, like, we're getting something to eat. And then we're just, like, we just sit down in this basically empty section. We're sitting there for, like, five minutes. And then someone tells us to move. It was, like, the weirdest. It's, like, what a what you, Usher what you told you to move, here? not someone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Usher. Uh, sure. But um, that was a sidebar.
0: Um, that would that would grind my gears, too.
1: But, yeah, so, like, the eighth, ninth inning, we kind of walked down, get a little closer, like, just in those kind of standing room. there, like, have a really good view of the game. Um, and we're just sitting there. the and I, and I even said, so at the at the end of the ninth inning, so for those who don't know, what, Reds tied the game in the mm-hmm. ninth inning and then um, goes to the bottom of the ninth. And I'm thinking like, okay, honestly, we got to both go in the office tomorrow, <laughs> whatever. It was like a quicker game too. So I don't even have the excuse for it being super late. But it was like, so I went to the bathroom and then and the Reds take the lead in the top of the 10th. And so I'm like, I feel like, If I leave in a tie game, you know, that's like adult priority type things. But if I leave when we're losing, it feels like I'm abandoning my team, you know? But it's like, ah, whatever. It's like you said, game 10 of 162, no big deal. Literally the very first pitch of the bottom of the 10th, like we're walking up the stairs, like walk out of the gates we hear Sean Murphy get announced and obviously the runner's already on second, you know, so the tying run is on, on base in the 10th inning. We're, I don't know, 50 feet outside the stadium. And you just hear the crowd erupt the The first erupt. And then the second erupt when that ball actually goes out for a walk off home run. And I was like, I think they just hit a home run. And then the fireworks go off. It's like, pretty sure the Braves just won the game. So, oh man, mid to the whole like listen, we get in the car and the radio. It's just like Sean Murphy, the hero of the night. It's just all oh, this whole thing and all these different stats about like how special his home run was, the significance of it, and all that. So, uh, Tori's just wouldn't give me such a hard time today because Tori wants it known that it was a fifty-fifty. It wasn't. It wasn't on her. It was not. It was. She wants to try to say that it was more on me to decision to leave, but. It was a it was a fifty fifty that like ah uh, I'll stay if you want to stay like ah uh, we can just go like it's uh, kind of cold you know it's like I don't know we weren't diehards you know and we uh we sat through eight innings of like not a boring game but not a lot of offense in that game and then tenth inning missed the uh, missed the fireworks literally
0: also fireworks are just not a thing I don't know. that was like a <laughs> whole <pitch. laughs> like I. Look, I just said that I don't police people enjoying things, but I will say there's nothing that makes makes me ra I shouldn't say nothing. Something that makes me raise an eyebrow at a person is an adult is someone who enjoys fireworks.
1: You you I didn't want to cut you off in your monologue you were doing there a minute ago, but I was like, you are a hundred percent the kind of person that's uh, killing things. People are hating, or people love to do. Like, are you kidding me? I will say, uh, there's it's like a running joke in my family um, with my brother and his wife. Because one year, like, oh, do you want to see fireworks? And he's just like, oh, sure. Like, he just like wasn't excited. So it's like, Buck hates fireworks, and it's just like a, a whole joke. But um,
0: he has good taste. See, Buck, I've always said Buck's the best screen. Like I've always said <laughs> that, Buck. I don't hear from Buck. I don't know who buck That's is I, he does he's on the outskirts jake's over here just tagging me and stuff to grind my gears on a random wednesday morning no buck buck? was
1: actually Buck's actually the 2022 fantasy baseball
0: champion mm. so
1: you know he's uh yeah i had to present the trophy to him and everything is his um, single
0: name buck no william mm. how do you go where, do, where does buck come from
1: uh my dad's dad went by buck who's also mm. william but yeah. yeah,
0: no one's ever named actual Buck. It's like uh, it's not a common one, but people go by Buck. Never yeah. knew what it was. There you go. I think Buck Blue is like Benjamin Franklin and or something. <laughs> no, I, no. His, I think it's Benjamin Franklin serious? Blue. I'm pretty certain. Uh, I did not know. Don't that. quote me on that, but I'm pretty certain that is. But uh,
1: let to, to get the researchers on that one.
0: Well, Matt Green, um, we've talked uh, kind of on the outskirts of Tennessee, Georgia here. You and I were texting back and forth. Over the past week, and something's come up. <laughs> Georgia fans, look, you and I, we differ on this particular concept. And for Georgia fans, maybe it's they're wondering like, hey, what's going on with the NFL draft? Why is Hendon Hooker look like he's going to go number one? Why does Mike Bomb have Hendon Hooker as the best quarterback as a whole? In this draft, why does it seem like it's almost a foregone conclusion that Hendon Hooker um, in Tennessee is just they're going to have Darnell Wright maybe in the top 10? Mel kiper Jr. had Darnell Wright, top 10 pick. Bears at nine. Jalen Hyatt, where does he go? Maybe they're in their feelings a little bit because Stetson Bennett not getting that first round love. Stetson Bennett nowhere to be found at the no top expected, of. No one expected
1: Stetson to get first round love. Well,
0: no one expected hindon <laughs> But Hendon's acing, he doesn't have an ACL right now, Matt Green. He's not throwing for anybody. It's pretty unprecedented to have this kind of rise up draft boards when you're not able to do anything because he tore his ACL. He's not throwing. He didn't do anything at the the Pro Day. He didn't do anything at the Combine. This is all just like behind-the-scenes interactions where Hendon must be just exceptional one-on-one with these teams. And like I've already known Hendon's a leader. He is good, great dude, and super smart, played in different schemes. And you saw that report where it's like he was able to explain the differences between like the Virginia Tech scheme and like that was more of a run, run, run. And then what he was doing at Tennessee and just how just well-versed he is all across the board where it's like even if you hit him for the kind of offense at Tennessee run, it's like he was in a completely different offense at Virginia Tech and then in the NFL – he'll adapt too because it's like he some guys can just adapt and you're like well that's what they played. it doesn't mean that's always what he has to do it doesn't mean it's not something he cannot learn and pick up too because that was a very very different scheme that hendon hooker thrived in um in knoxville than what he was running in hokeyville so all that being said matt green you and i were talking about it because dylan rayola it was like that, Under what was the the thing where it's like he's uh, the sneaky, it's like a sneaky behind the scenes thing that he well, there, is George Brown.
1: <clears throat> yeah, there's a rumor that he's a silent commitment, you yeah. know, if you will, which, I mean, say what you want about silent commits. It's like, if you're, if you're silently committed to a girl, are you, are you really committed to her? So, mm. you know, <laughs> you're my secret girlfriend, don't tell anybody, but you're actually, okay. It's like, so. But there's, I guess there's rumors. He's only scheduled one official visit, and it's to Georgia in June. So there's a lot of people that think his recruitment will probably be over at some point in the in the summer. And and there's also, like, the rumors of, I don't know his name. Uh, I think he's the third-ranked quarterback in the 2024 class from Matter Day. That supposedly USC's kind of been picking up, uh, like, the, the steam on him. So maybe they're focused more on him than Rayola because – the writings on the wall with Rayola. It's like, you know, those kind of rumors are 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 going are kind of going around. So, you know. Or I think that was from that quarterback himself said that. So I don't know. So I think that's why Georgia fans are are feeling more and more confident that Rayola, the number one player, number one quarterback and the number one player in the country, is looking like it's Georgia or Nebraska. And if that's if that's what he's down to, his dad did go to Nebraska. Um, but his godfather is Matthew Stafford, apparently, because um, his dad played with Stafford <clears throat> in Detroit. So, hmm. um, so that's that's what it kind of seems like it's down to. And if, if, I mean, if those are the options, I think Georgia fans, you have to like your chances going up against Nebraska.
0: And then Georgia fans were like, "Oh, this is like the worst case scenario for Tennessee fans. Tennessee somehow keeps getting thrown into these conversations." And look. You and I were texting about this, and there's a fundamental difference between our thinking here. Where you're looking at it is like, well, Stetson was efficient. Because my point was, hey, Georgia had one of the best offenses the last two years without a five-star quarterback. They had one to start two years ago, and he was pretty good. He was fine. Great offense. JT would have been fine. He probably wouldn't have won a national title if he doesn't leave or get hurt or whatever. Like, you were probably on that course either way. I wonder. We'll never know for certain. Stetson was a Heisman finalist this year. Stetson was electric. He saved George's ass several times this past year. Very, very different kind of gunslinger. Obviously not that kind of pedigree. And what, don't make that face. He, well, it's, he, it's
1: several times. We, Ohio I State, like Missouri. They he, blew he out most him. teams. Of course. He saved I mean, them. The defense gave up what, like 20 points against Missouri? Like, Yeah. Like five but, field goals or something in that game?
0: He made some critical plays. He stepped up in the Tennessee game. I would game. say
1: Missouri was not one of his better games, though. Like, no, but he stood... As, he... Yeah, second, third, fourth quarter, like when they needed to score for sure. He but rallied. I'm just saying, Georgia did blow out a lot of teams. And and Setson's obviously a part of the blowout, so it's not like it's despite him or anything.
0: No. Great game to open against Oregon in the Dome. was just damn near perfect.
1: And I would say in the Georgia's biggest games, he was... Definitely at his best. Like Oregon, Tennessee, LSU, Ohio State, TCU. Like the the biggest games, I mean, Georgia probably averaged like 50 points a game in those five or six games. I think Tennessee's the only one they probably didn't put up at least like 48.
0: That was our defense. Oh no, Ohio
1: State, yeah. They scored 42 versus Ohio State, 65 versus TCU. So, yeah, they probably did score 50, average 50 points a game in the in – in their games versus ranked opponents this past year
0: that being said it was thrown in where it's like uh-oh tennessee fans i don't even remember who tweeted originally of like oh this is a tennessee fan's worst nightmare if dylan rayola commits the dogs and they get a five-star and this is what i said to you and we disagree here i think this is not a concern to tennessee and here in rocky top there is not a concern about Georgia getting a five-star quarterback. Georgia's had five stars. They have four and five stars in that quarterback room right now. They had elite quarterback play this past year. They had an elite offensive coordinator calling plays. It didn't really matter who was going to be at quarterback if you had Todd Monk in there. It might not matter with Mike Bobo, who is a quarterback, where Georgia's going to have a top 10, top 15 type offense. It's hard to be more balanced and better than what Georgia's been. Part of the appeal of the way Georgia plays, if you're any kind of big-time recruit, it's like there is balance. So if you want to be a big-time running back and come to Georgia, makes sense. If you want to be a big-time receiver, makes sense. Tight end, quarterback, it's well-rounded. Like if you're a really good tight end, you're going to get the ball. If you're a really good receiver, they're going to find it, whether it's George Pickens or whoever. If you're a really good running back, they're going to feed you the ball. They are versatile in their attack. They are versatile all across the board georgia is going to be a juggernaut with or without the five-star quarterback that doesn't move the needle tennessee had a heisman finalist this year if he doesn't get hurt and has Hendon hooker he was one of the maybe the most efficient quarterback in all of college football all year long tennessee got to number one overall tennessee beat alabama with bryce young at home bryce young was the best quarterback in college football this past year didn't really face tennessee Where Tennessee gets faced, and part of the reason Tennessee beat Alabama was not because of Bryce Young. Bryce Young was unbelievable in that game. It was because Darnell Wright shut down Will Anderson. Will Anderson and the folks like that on the edge is what separates the Bamas and the Georgias from the rest of the SEC. The Jimmys and Joes, you know, that sort of conversation. So I point you to the 2025, um, or yeah, 2025 top three recruits for the University of Georgia. Do you know off the top of your head who those three names are? 2025?
1: Mm. Um, is that the class that we just got, that uh, big-time dude? That big, like, 6'7",
0: 235, tight end? Yes. Ellis Williams. Elias. Maybe it's Ellis. Jaden Perlow, linebacker, five-star. Justice Terry from Manchester, uh, Georgia, five-star, 6'5", 270. You go up and down this list, Matt It's at the top. That is what scares Georgia, or Tennessee fans, is the the next Jalen Carter. The next guys on the edge, in the interior, that Tennessee does not have the bodies up front to handle. That is what keeps Tennessee fans and Josh Heupel nervous. It's not who's under center. We don't care. Like that, we'll go one-on-one. Hendon Hooker beat Bryce Young one-on-one this past year. He out Bryce Young and beat them. That is not what Georgia, Tennessee fans are nervous about when it comes to the University of Georgia, getting five-star recruits. Nico was the number one overall player this past class. They just got Jake Merklinger. They are going to continue to have, they just finished the season with the number one scoring offense in all of college football. If you want to get in a scoring match, great. You're going to lose most times against this Hypo offense and with the infusion of talent that they're bringing in. What you can't do and what Tennessee, where they were defeated by the Dogs in Athens, was when they were sending doubles and didn't matter on Jalen Carter. Jalen Carter just broke through and made Hendon Hooker's life a living hell in that first quarter. That's the difference. The difference with Georgia is that. It's you look at the top of those classes. It's not the quarterback. It's not the receiver. It's not even the running backs. It is the defensive line and those linebackers and what Kirby continues to stockpile with the five-star, just super, uh, like just the unreal athletes that he is stockpiling. They don't even play as freshmen, and then they're just ready to go sophomores and juniors, and then guess what? It's really, really hard to deal with those guys.
1: See, but that's, that's I it. think but I think that's the overall point though, is like that's not changing. Like Georgia's not going to stop recruiting elite linebackers and elite defensive linemen and offensive linemen. But the only thing that has derailed Georgia under Kirby Smart is if the quarter is the quarterback position. Like when Jake Fromm kind of I mean, he was he was just kind of me. I don't think it was on Jake Fromm really. I think it was more of the offensive coordinator and the lack of receivers. But in 2019, the offense was bad. Like, that was the number one scoring defense in college football that year. Like, mm-hmm. Aziz Ojalaria had, like, double-digit sacks. Like, you had first-round picks. I mean, what, Tyson Campbell was like, the second pick of the first round or the, of the second round or something. So, essentially two first-round picks at, at both corner positions, like Jordan Davis and, you know, other guys on the defensive line. Like, the defense is always going to be loaded. So, the only thing that's going to stop Georgia from – Basically dominating everyone they play is is a subpar quarterback play. So if George's act cause it's as good as Stetson Bennett is, it's like there's a revisionist history on Stetson Bennett. Like now they won two national championships. It's like, oh, well George was getting elite quarterback play for two years. Like people acted like he sucked all of twenty twenty one until he won the national championship. And then, well there's
0: two different th- stories right like 2021 you can make the case that he was up and down but you had the best defense maybe in college football history so it didn't matter yeah. what Stetson did and 20 still had a very good season he was good but it didn't matter like you could I you and I might be able to play quarterback but and win that, games in am But that's
1: what you're saying like that goes to my point right now no, 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 is you're kind of questioning I'm saying
0: your defense is so stocked that you could have that same kind of defense again because you keep stockpiling it so it doesn't matter but they her.
1: almost lost the national championship game. Like they were down in the fourth quarter. So Stetson wasn't playing great. Like he did play well in the fourth quarter, and you know, say what you want how how things happen, but we're not gonna rehash it. But <laughs> the the overall point is that Georgia didn't just have flawless quarterback play. No one once ever thought Stetson was the best quarterback in college football. Even the the vast majority of people thought it was like highway robbery that he was even a Heisman finalist Like there was a lot of people that just hated on the fact that he finished fourth in the Heisman like you Like anyone knows whoever finishes fourth in the Heisman right like it's like who okay. Who cares? He had a great season. He got the invite um, But there's still this level of like no one thinks he's that good He's gonna be a fifth fourth fifth round pick if Georgia truly gets the best quarterback in college football, if they get a CJ Stroud, a Bryce Young, a, a Justin Fields, you know how much we wanted one of those. Um, if, you, if they actually get one of those elite players, like what is the weakness? Like Tennessee's hope to beat Georgia right now is a Deshaun Watson versus Alabama type of thing. Like Clemson was not as good as Alabama in a, in an overall roster standpoint, but Deshaun Watson was so good that he elevated the roster to be a championship team. And Tennessee and, might have that with Nico. And I think that's Tennessee's only hope is that quarterback that elevates the rest of the roster and makes up for that you know, that just kind of difference in overall team talent. And if Georgia has just as good of a quarterback as as whoever they're playing against, then it's basically hopeless. Like if Dylan Raiola is truly this number one player, five star, like we've seen the guys that have been the number one overall player at the quarterback position come out in recent years with a Trevor Lawrence, with a Justin Fields. And there's just been a lot of we 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 know those ge- those generational talents can can change programs. So it's like if you look at a team like Georgia that hasn't even, with all due respect to Stetson, hasn't had the elite talent at quarterback the whole time Kirby Smart has been there. Like obviously, like Eason was a five star and Fields was a five star.
0: But you those guys for when what... Eason's a good example because he's probably the closest Rayola comp uh, for Georgia in a long time.
1: But I mean Eason... Was Eason ever really that good? It's like he was, he went to Washington. I mean, he was like fine as a freshman. Like, I,
0: after his freshman year, I well, thought no, he, what I'm I'm he was going to be good. Oh, was, for sure.
1: He was a five star, but it's, But he was
0: huge. He had the mega arm. Like, he I was. I think someone... was
1: supposed to be more athletic because Eason was like a basically a statue back there. Yeah. But, but, but like, but he goes, to, it's like he's still labeled. And I, I feel like the Eason that thing still gets thrown in Kirby Smart's face. Like, oh, five star quarterbacks just go to die at Georgia. And it's like. Well, he got hurt and he got beat out by a guy who's like if there's thirty-five stars, it was Jake Fromm like the thirty-fifth ranked player, he's like basically a five star. And it's like he had a good three year career at Georgia. So Justin Fields didn't start year one in transfers. So it's like it's not like he had it's like he had a bad career at Georgia. He he just didn't want to wait uh however long it would take him to play. Um so I I, I definitely understand that point, and but it's like you I feel like the the naysayers of Georgia kind of talk out of both sides of their mouth because it's like, oh, well, it, it doesn't matter who's the quarterback for Bobo or it doesn't matter who's the quarterback for Monkin, but it's like it doesn't matter because Georgia has that prerequisite like elite talent on the roster. like but the quarter- Including, including like the quarterback the position right? where
0: they're going to have the number one defense and then the number one quarterback and then the number one offense, and that's just it. I just don't – sports doesn't work like that. There will be – there will be an issue there will be something that comes up it might just be mike bobo is a huge downgrade from todd monken it could be georgia gets picked off more on the what do you mean sports don't work i mean what has alabama been for the last decade there have been issues it's not like they've been perfect year over year there have been teams like you said the clemsons of the world the lsu's there are teams that pop in and out florida's come close a and m just but i mean if you
1: look at georgia they've i mean they lost the sec championship in 2021 right so it's like it's not like they had zero adversity like Michigan was favored going into that uh that Orange Bowl.
0: Like more pe- yeah. most people thought Michigan was. Wait, was, was Michigan win that favored?
1: Uh, I feel like everyone was picking favor. I should I guess I don't I don't know what the Vegas line was. I was gonna but, say I um, think Georgia
0: was favored, but I But
1: think- I, I feel like the all of the experts I feel like were picking Michigan. I feel like,
0: like Nolan Smith over here were no. They thought we were gonna five. go five and seven, all right? I but, do um, like that he admitted he was like, Well, what what yeah, no, no one said that. Like I love that yeah. Nolan actually did come out and say, Yeah, of course not. Like no one saw that. Well, you have to get fired up in some way.
1: For sure. But but that's that's my main thing that I think you're missing is it's like Georgia's always gonna have that talent everywhere. The only and the Jamie Newman debacle and Duan Mathis and even Stetson Bennett in twenty twenty was just I mean, and you then the know JT Daniels. Happen, like Green. we had like four, we had like four or five options at quarterback that season, and it, and it was That's like you have right now. And it was a and it was awful, and it was a nine and two season. But, you know, so it's like the only thing that can derail Georgia. I mean, they played with Alabama into like the third and fourth quarter too, a team that
0: won the national championship with a with bad quarterback play. So. But also that's Kirby what, might not play Rayola. He might like some other dude more. Like that's very much in the cards. Like Kirby has still never think, stuck to a five star quarterback yet. Like that's never happened under his watch. It's never happened. But I mean, it's it hasn't happened. He's been here for a while. Like we're still waiting on the first one. It's if not a guy like is. But if a guy is beating out the five star,
1: then I think he's. But, doing but that's a my point. Now
0: you're getting my point, which is like. Tennessee fans are like whatever like we'll see but like there's a transition like Tennessee knows year over year like the quarterback position is going to be elite with Josh Heupel in town like it's going to be elite year over year Georgia fans are like I don't know like Georgia fans are even annoyed by this like this is one of those where they're like annoyed by what the quarterback situation like Georgia fans were not happy with Stetson most of 2021 they got over it and they liked it last year like in 2022. I you're making my point for no, me. No, so no, if no, they because get this
1: guy who's a five-star, like, first-round pick, like... I've seen this movie are, before. Tennessee went
0: into Athens and beat that five-star quarterback, Matt Green, on a Hail Mary. Hail they, Mary. they did it. You're comparing 2016 to what Georgia is right now? That's what I'm saying. That was a Mark and, Richt roster. I mean, the point being, though, is Kirby still has... Like, we don't know what he's going to do at the quarterback room. He might pick wrong this spring. He might go Brock Vandergriff, and he's terrible. But and why, then he already lost Carson back any to the portal. Thought
1: that Kirby would pick the wrong quarterback.
0: I mean, Kirby did start Dewan Mathis for a game.
1: I mean, he started him over a former walk-on, and Stetson was pretty terrible in 2022 or in 2020 also. Like he wasn't like he was better than Duan Mathis. But look, look, I'm, who was he supposed to start in that quarterback room? Like, J.T. Daniels wasn't healthy, like.
0: But that was a the bad cornerback kind of room, like at Tennessee. Like at Nico just steps right in. That's fine. And then you have Jake Merklinger coming in right after that. Like it's just what I am saying. I mean, look what Georgia's
1: got set up right now. It's like Vandergriff's a five star. Yeah. Stockton's a four. Top hundred recruit. Like yeah. potentially Rayola's a five star. Like, and I am mean, not even including Beck, who's probably going to be the starter this year. It's like, well,
0: I don't know. Brock Vandergriff making some noise this spring. I don't know for sure i think
1: beck still is is from what i hear it sounds like beck is still kind of got the edge there but in just the experience all but, they're doing but is posturing so
0: these guys don't leave And the portal window opens back up this spring
1: i mean i think because of what you just said <clears throat> excuse me because of what you just said you'd be crazy to leave if you were brock vandegrift like with all the all the changes that have happened in the quarterback room at georgia like Juan Mathis started a season, Jacob Eason started a season, JT Daniels started a season, and, and none of those guys ended up finishing that season. So it's you might as well see what happens going, coming into fall. Like I, I, I guarantee all three are not on the roster this time next year, but I think there's a very real chance that all three are on the roster in the 2023 season.
0: Well, in happier news, we know the path to keeping Georgia and the Georgia fan base unhappy this fall, Matt Green. Heather Denich outlined uh, uh, the ways in the teams that actually have a realistic chance at beating the dogs in 2023, Mac Green. And I wanna to briefly touch on this because um, I hadn't considered this. And this is something that I do think is interesting. And I wonder what your perspective is on this. So she wrote in regards to Vols versus the dogs, right? Quote, how it impacts the CFP if Tennessee wins. A Tennessee win could eliminate Georgia from the top four and catapult the Vols in or cement their spot. If Tennessee wins the East, one loss Georgia will have some strength of schedule issues on selection day. Their non-conference schedule includes UT Martin, Ball State, UAB, and Georgia Tech. We understand that there was one game that, a big game that was removed because of the SEC changes. That's a problem. Without a win against the Vols and no SEC title, George will have a difficult time claiming a statement win. I do wonder, Mac Green, the precedent is a little bit different because they are the back-to-back national champs that even if Tennessee beats them at home, and God knows what this podcast will look like if I come back on Sunday after leaving kneeling, uh here in Knoxville with a victory over over the dogs, following the cigar victory over over the tide a year ago. But still a ways away. We'll see what happens. That being said, Georgia does have a strength of schedule issue. Like, that is part of it's not their fault. Like, we mentioned the Oklahoma thing. Part of it, I'm sure a lot of folks don't really want to play Georgia. If I had to guess, when Georgia wants to book some of the bigger schools, they're like, ah, eh, hard pass would be my guess for a lot of teams. It would not surprise well, and that's me. That's why
1: it's unfortunate they did get rid of the Oklahoma game. Yes. Yeah. It's a solid seven, eight years in a row of out of conference that Georgia's got, but. That Oklahoma one uh, really put a hole in it
0: and now the question is like if they were to lose and Tennessee does go to the SEC title whatever and Georgia's left out with one loss would they really st- would that Would the committee hold it against them enough to actually keep the two-time nat- defending national champions out because I don't think that's true I think they would still get benefit out obviously there's so many other variables in terms of what other records look like and that sort of thing. But I don't think tennis or Georgia missing the SEC title with their strength of schedule would be enough to keep them out as a one loss team, generally speaking. Do you agree with that?
1: Well, for one, just hypothetically, you can't answer it because had that happened this year, mm. if Georgia has the schedule they have and just how the, the thing plays out like Georgia's probably going to be in the top four. Like like who is Ohio State's best win? This Like Penn State? They Like they basically – that was like the only good team they played at all that they beat other than other than obviously Michigan, but they lost that game. So mm-hmm. I think you're right that just the, the, I don't know, subconscious feeling about Georgia of winning back-to-back national championships, it's obviously a very different team. Like Stetson's gone and stuff, but a lot of the defense is going to be the same. I think that it would be tough. A lot of it would depend on Tennessee because, I mean, if Tennessee is 12-0, and 13-0 going to the, after winning the SEC championship or 12-1 and after beating the, winning the SEC championship or something, if they're in that, like, top three, top four, then it's very easy to justify, well, Georgia just lost to one of the top two or three teams and... Yeah, they're they're still one of the best four teams. So I think it's definitely possible. I think the conference, the, the the strength of the schedule is definitely an issue. It definitely leaves very room for little room for error. But that's also what we said in 2021 and in 2022 about yeah. Georgia's schedule. And it's like before the season, there was no one on Georgia's 2021 schedule and. Uh, after the Clemson game it was like if they beat Clemson they're going to go undefeated and Arkansas ends up starting like 6-0 and and that's college game day and that's a huge atmosphere in Athens and then Kentucky starts like 7-0 and or 8-1 and or something like that and that's a college game day and a big time atmosphere in Athens so it's like and then and then last year Tennessee is the number one team in the country coming to Athens like the biggest game maybe in the history of Sanford Stadium so We all kind of pretend to know what teams are going to be and what their schedule is going to be year in and year out it's like Ole Miss was fraudulent this year like they could be eight and one coming um playing Georgia next year and and Florida's in year two of Billy Napier like they could see a huge jump and Auburn with Hugh Freeze it's like there's just so many teams there's so many things that are going to happen that we we don't know that some of these teams are going to end up ranked on Georgia's schedule and then obviously the game in Knoxville is going to be a huge game but yeah, I mean, if you lose that, there's, not gonna, there's likely not going to be a lot of good data points on your schedule, but it'll be 11-1 and one versus, you know, what are you comparing in the rest of college football at the end of the day? It's like, is there a, is there a one-loss Big 12 champion? Is there a, a one-or-two-loss a one Pac-12 champion? Like, if there's a bunch of undefeated teams and, and one-loss conference champions, then yeah, Georgia, a loss to Tennessee, that
0: could be enough to keep Georgia out of the top four. It's also under the assumption that Tennessee is like just would make the SEC title game because I think that's still very generous based on what the schedule looks like and what I believe Joe Milton's gonna be in twenty twenty three. I, I I'm not like they could beat Georgia and still very much not. There's a chance, that
1: yeah. They go ten and two but have a yeah. win over Georgia or something like that. Maybe even like
0: nine that. and three, eight and four, like a and M type deal where it's like yeah. they get over that hump and then they drop two or three dumb ones um, this year. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I I think, like I said, I circled 2024 is the big year for Tennessee, uh, with a year to Nico. And you hope that he's able to sit the whole year. And then he is your, your Bryce young, Justin Herbert type, uh, right away. Um, in 2024 and you're competing for a a literal national championship. Um,
1: right now, I don't want to, I don't know what you were about to say, but, the, the last thing I'll say, do you feel like there's any similarities with Hypel with and um, the Dan Mullen era of Florida? Like, it just... It feels like it has a lot of parallels to me. Even from, like, the fans talking shit, like, in terms of Tennessee fans and how Florida fans were. Like, you just look at, like, the way the two programs were recruiting before those guys got there, signing, what, like, 12th, 13th ranked classes. Then they had
0: their... Tennessee was just in the top ten, and they're gonna. I'm saying before Hyple,
1: like the roster that Hyple essentially inherited, like mm-hmm. it's like get you know those those mid teen type of classes, and then he takes over for like what top twenty or so class, and then Dan Mullen signed like two like ninth rank classes after like his first two full classes, like that's a little bit ahead of where Hyple is. Like the the portal is also a little bit bigger, so Tennessee's doing things in the portal as well, but. I don't know. There's something, and, and meanwhile, George's just up here at the first, second, third ranked recruiting class in the country. Each of those years, like they're in, if terms of if it is, if it is just like Dan Mullen. I think it was year three. What eighteen, nineteen, twenty? It was year three that Dan Mullen got through and beat Kirby, but it didn't really amount to anything else. He ends up getting fired year four. So. I don't know, just kind of the way the programs are built, I see some similarities there.
0: I don't know, I think there are some. I mean, I think one of the differences too, uh, I would say that Florida is it, like we've talked about Florida and just like what the program is when it's not Spurrier and Urban Meyer, but I think Dan Mullen, and especially when you listen to him talk and he's just, he's clearly like just a super, super bright football mind and seems like a fun dude, and won a lot of games in Mississippi State. He was obviously an architect offensively for what Urban Meyer was at Florida, won a national title with Urban Meyer. So that was a little bit different. But I do think Hypel and where one of the, the big difference between me and Mullen and HyPO, I think, is bigger than Hypel and Mullen. So I think the buy-in at the top, at UT, with Danny White and the AD and the boosters and the Volunteer Club, Inspire Sports, and just NIL as a whole, is different than the buy-in at Florida. You just saw what happened with um, what's the kid's name who's not Arizona State, the five-star Jaden Rashada. Rashada, yeah. That debacle. The buy-in at Florida and just their weirdness with their collective and the weirdness with committing to just football, football, football at florida just doesn't seem the same where tennessee part of why i'm less worried about hypo and recruiting and that sort of thing is the buy-in's pretty strong at the top and the from a monetary perspective you're probably
1: right but i don't even need to go that far i think from just a psychological perspective like I feel like there's a different standard at Florida. And it's like kind of how Texas is. It's like almost become like toxic. And it's like, they don't give their guy enough time. Like they just expect to be good immediately. And the biggest difference is, you know, if Heibel just turns out to not be, like, you know, for lack of a better term, a douchebag that nobody likes, like, then he'll probably do okay. That seemed to be Florida... Mullen's biggest problem was that just nobody actually liked him, so he didn't have a long leash because he just wasn't a likable person. But... I like Ted Mullen. But I think... um, I think just the... I think the fan base is different. And Tennessee is, like... They're kind of terrified of where their program has been the last decade plus. And, like, they're... They're kind of like, just, okay, this guy's got us on the right track. He's the guy, we're all in. It's not like, Dan Mullen, year one, that's good. Did you beat Georgia year two? Oh, that's good. Did you beat Georgia? And it's like year three? Did you win the SEC, win the national championship? All right, year four, you're out of here. Um, so I don't know. It's uh,
0: I don't think that's
1: how Tennessee
0: fans are looking at this. Like He's got a lot of cachet at this point and they overachieved last year. Look, it can change year to year i just don't see a path where this offense falls off a cliff and i think even florida fans like i said at the time where i'm like yeah it's ending really bad down the stretch here for mullen but like mullen's still a really really good coach he he beat kirby already a year ago that you were right at the precipice of a college football playoff um in what 2020 Mm -hmm. um you had the superstars he knew how to get the ball to his superstars and kyle pitts and company he was able to win a lot of football games with kyle trask who was what a wall like he didn't start a high school game and just what that was because flippe franks wasn't the guy the five star there so you go to trask and that was kind of a hey let's see what happens here the guy can win with just about anybody i think he's shown a lot more than napier like napier is recruiting better but like mullen won a lot of games and i thought at the time where i'm like i don't know like mullen won at mississippi state he got you to number one at miss state the duke and coach and i think when people talk about his recruiting i'm like it's a little overblown like yeah he wasn't doing urban meyer classes but he was still 11th 9th 8th whatever But i think that
1: showed like that that's not good enough to to win in the sec like mark i think Rich it is some doing, years I don't, I don't think, think it's always good that Mark Richt was doing better than that. But Mark Richt wasn't the offensive
0: brilliance that Dan Mullen is. Like you can make the case Dan Mullen's the smartest offensive mind before. Like I mean, yeah, but
1: Mark Richt's a way better coach than Dan Mullen. Like I, I
0: disagree with that. I don't think I don't think Mark Richt could have won like that at Mississippi State. I, I think mean, Dan Mullen doesn't get enough credit.
1: Mark Richt averaged ten wins for fifteen years. Like won Does the he SEC do that at, twice. Like well, this man was at Florida. Like it, it's not like he's at a, a nothing school. And it's like his Mississippi State years. Like while he was good, like there's a lot of up and down there too. Like the 2014 year gets, and this isn't all to be about Dan. He went Dan ten Mullen. and three
0: in 2014.
1: Yeah, I mean that's the year that they were. But I mean, he went nine and three one. that next year. But there's there's a six and seven in there. Like there's missing yeah. bowl games in there. It's like it's not like they were just like great every year. Well, also let's like, throw out. Yeah, they
0: were good a few times. 2020, like, he was first in the East. 2019, second. 2018 second won 11 and 10 games those first, so 21 games total is the first two years the eight and four is kind of miscued if you remember that you had to watch the 2020 season for mullen to like understand sure. how that he yeah. had one bad year in four years and it was a five and six and i understand it went bad down the stretch i just i don't know i'll go to bat for mullen I think he's good i think but- they ever reacted
1: I mean and that and that's possible, but I, I think there I think there's intangible things that, that differentiate what's going on at Florida and what's what happened at Florida and what's currently going on at Tennessee. But I think there is some similarities in terms of like if you if you're truly gonna knock off the Georgias, the Bamas consistently, like you do have to recruit into the top five. You have to get some of those like elite like you saw A&M. obviously they just missed a bowl game after having signing number one class. That's not the only thing. But they did just beat Alabama a year before, and they've been consistently re- been recruiting in that top six or seven, like getting those elite classes. So I think Tennessee, Heupel, and that's what was always strange about Dan Mullen was because he did have the immediate success on the field, and it never really improved the recruiting. So if Hypel is able to, you know, turn the 10 win or 11 and 2 last year, turn that into with they ninth ranked class, then maybe seventh, then the fifth, you know, if they're able I mean, to they're actually work their way I to be right around their seventh, is my
0: guess, is I think they somewhere, it depends on the Ryan Wingo, Mike Matthews. Thing. And if I'm just saying, as th- someone who lived through the
1: Mark Richt era, of seventh ranked class in the country sounds really good until you check the list and you're like, oh, that's the fourth ranked class in the SEC. That's but what the are you ninth ranked to do? class, like the sixth ranked class in the SEC.
0: Like, Florida ugh. should be recruiting better than Tennessee. Georgia should be recruiting better than Tennessee. Alabama should be recruiting better than Tennessee that's real there is no excuse for any of those three schools to never be ahead of Tennessee in recruiting the talent's better the area's better that is they should always win Mark Rick underachieved in the recruiting front you see what Kirby said look look at just the best players Tennessee the majority of their classes year-over-year are from the state of Georgia there is so much talent. You can make the case right now, I don't even think it's close, that Georgia has the most amount of high school talent anywhere in the country. Like, the best of the best yeah. are in the state of Georgia. Like, you look at 7A football, like, it's just powerhouse after powerhouse, five-star after five-star. Mike Matthews, it just not just because he's a party guy, you just go up and down the list. Landon Thomas, y'all's new five-star tight end. Oscar Delt the year prior, he went to, what, West Forsyth? Like, you just... You yeah, go, georgia's
1: got three five stars in that 2025 class committed and there's two five stars in the state of georgia ranked higher than those three guys exactly
0: well. so like there's no excuse so i'm not discounting kirby but i'm like no georgia has no excuse to not always be in the top three and be in top two sec recruiting team bama obviously should always be there so like tennessee if you're a tennessee a logical tennessee fan you want to beat florida sometimes from recruiting but like if you're number 4 in the SEC most years that's still a good place to live. Guess who's coming in the conference? Texas and Oklahoma. Texas is going to beat Tennessee in recruiting more years than not. So you're going to go down a little bit more. LSU is going to have years where they beat you. That's what I'm saying. But that's re- reality. Like that's just what are you going to so, do about but that? But if
1: you're not going to if you're not going to consistently sign better than the fifth or sixth best class in the SEC, you're never going to win the SEC. I disagree. That's just, I, I don't think Auburn's it's possible. Done it. It, I mean, I think Auburn was recruiting elite back in the day. Like, but they
0: had, no, Auburn is up and down. It's not like they're hitting top four, top three classes over and over again. No, Auburn does not recruit Auburn, like that.
1: Auburn was recruiting plenty of top five classes back in the 20 te- early 2010s and that sort of thing. Like, over that 2010 team, like that, that's an outlier. That team had no business winning an national championship. Cam Newton's just like, that's the single greatest season maybe of all time. But Auburn, that's an outlier, I think, because, I. so yeah, you're, you're right. If you get a Cam Newton, then maybe everything's out the Nico window. Nico might but, be that. I mean, I just don't, I wouldn't expect anybody to be Cam Newton. That's like saying, yeah, if the guy we draft number one overall is LeBron James, then we might win a championship. What
0: I'm saying is what you <laughs> wanna be, is you wanna be, if you're Tennessee, you wanna be in that seven to 11 range in recruiting. No. You wanna be in the blue chip ratio. You gotta ratio. get in
1: that four to seven range you with it
0: you want to get that once every two to three years
1: it's tennessee we're talking about like it's, they got a hundred thousand people in that stadium it's they got it's the huge not NIL about money. That, Mac money. They,
0: who should they be beating among those three i just outlined but i'm saying once they establish themselves it as doesn't a good matter program, it's close to there's, home there's, there's home. not a
1: ceiling for tennessee though like disagree Tennessee can't win national championships. They can't be no, signed a number one recruiting eight. class.
0: I don't think they can ever have the sustainable recruits in the recruiting base to win multiple in a row or they go don't on a need, run. The
1: players don't need to be in your state. Like they're in, That's not true. They're in the South. Like no. you can get guys from Florida, you can get guys from Georgia, you can get guys from Alabama, you can get guys from Tennessee. Nashville and Memphis, I think, are like two of like the fastest growing cities uh,
0: in the in the country, right? Like Tennessee's got people. You're encouraging this Tennessee fan behavior. No, they don't. Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, is pretty limited. A lot of four stars. Like, we are just dying for a five-star like Trey Smith to come out in the offensive tackle category. Like, those guys don't exist year over year. So, it's just different. Guys want to stay close to home. They want their parents to be able to come to games, their friends, that sort of thing. They want to be close to home. That is, generally speaking, the case. It's hard to get a big-time Florida recruit out of the state of Florida at Tennessee. It's I'm hard to pry them away everyone from Florida or Florida, the state state. Of
1: Florida though. Like those guys go all over the country. Like,
0: but I mean the vast majority stay. I mean, you know, Florida, you look at Florida and I Miami. Don't know.
1: You look at the last couple years. I bet you. I mean, I Bama's
0: been in there for a while, but
1: the last couple of years, the top 10, 20 players, like I would say, over half of them are are not going to Florida, Florida State, and Miami.
0: I can't speak I can, to that, but I will say Florida State, Florida, and Miami all have top ten classes right now.
1: But yeah, part of that is kind of where those programs have been in the last couple of years. Well, there you go. How do you I'm do not. I'm not wishing. I'm not wishing that on you by any means. You know. And the the one thing, last thing I'll say about, about this topic, I think th- I'm I'm not really a fan of the the new 12 team playoff. But I think the one silver lining of the 12 team playoff is I think it can uh, bring the fans, the administration off the ledge a little bit because if Tennessee is just signing, only signing, the ninth and 10th and 11th ranked classes in the country and they're getting the years where they're number eight and they're number 12 and they actually have a couple playoff appearances to show for it. Maybe you don't even win a playoff game. Maybe you win one playoff game. No national championships, no SEC titles, but you're playing those big games on the big stage. I think that's what college basketball has that college football doesn't have and that's why you see coaches that stay at places for 10, 20 years and it's like the, these coaches that are like institutions, basically, they just know that he's been there forever. I think you could see more of that in college football because it feels like in college football, everyone just has a shelf life because it's like, well, you're not winning a national championship, so we need to get you out of here and find someone who can. So I think just getting to the playoff and being ranked 11th and 10th, I think it's a tangible like, accomplishment that can you know keep, keep good coaches at, at good programs for longer.
0: Stop taking away my piece. I'm peaceful right now, Matt Green. I'm feeling okay. Don't get me all fired about Tennessee <laughs> recruiting. I'm good. It's everything School HQ, we're fine. <laughs> I'm not worried. Nico's here, Should, we're good to go. Worry. Jake Merklinger right behind him, we're fine. Um, Big 10 West, we're not gonna spend as much time as we did on the East or the SEC here, because let me just tell you folks, Big 10 West, not a lot to write home about um, in the Big 10 West, Matt Green. First question. The you most your oh, tongue, sir. Who overachieved last year in the Big Ten West?
1: I think the real question is who did better than five and four in the <laughs> conference? That that is the uh, I think that's our answer here. Almost the entire division went four and five or five and four. Mm. I think you gotta go to the team that won the West, per, the Purdue Boilermakers. You think I they think,
0: overachieved though?
1: I think so. I think
0: uh hmm.
1: I think when with Wisconsin is down, Iowa's down. It's like, I mean, is Iowa down? I guess that's pretty standard. They're just doing what they they typically do. But I don't know. It's like Purdue was fine. Like they were a good team. But were they winning the West good? Like, you know, Aiden O'Connell is a really good quarterback. So, you know, maybe this was kind of the stars align and Purdue can win the West type of thing. I just... I don't think this can be expected year in and year out. So from that from that perspective, I think they overachieved.
0: It's also weird they were 75th in scoring. Did it feel like that at all last year for Jeff Brom's group?
1: I felt like they had a good offense. Right? like, With <laughs> like I thought that was their main thing. Maybe, their they, maybe I felt like they were a good offense because 75th was like the third ranked offense in the Big Ten or something. <laughs> well,
0: it's funny you say that, Matt Green. Do you know who I think overachieved last year? Who's that? It's the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Iowa Hawkeyes were still in the Big Ten East race, or Big Ten West race. In the final week of the season, Mac Green, they had the 123rd offense. They were averaging 17 a game. They had, Mac Green, what, 25 total touchdowns all year? Put that in perspective, Matt Green. The University of Tennessee had 79 Almost four times as many wow. touchdowns over the course of a season than the Iowa Hawkeyes. The Hawkeyes overachieved. They should not, like, this kind of offense, like, they were worse than Northwestern. Northwestern won what? One game in the Big Ten last year? One, ten, one game overall? One in 11. Iowa was right there. They finished 8-5. and five. You have to
1: say they underachieved though, because they had a defense give up like fourteen points a game. Like they were really good defensively. It's like if they could score at all, mm. like they should have been a good team. But I know what you're what you're saying is they were essentially they were just not good and they shouldn't have won as many games no. as they did. Yeah. But I mean that's fair. But I, I think with Iowa, like they have as much talent as anyone in the Big Ten West, like year in, year out. Like they're they're Next to Wisconsin, probably the most established program. So it's like if your defense can be that good, when it's sh- which is crazy, 14.4 points per game allowed was actually fourth in the Big Ten. Um, I don't know. I feel like that's just like a like if you if your offense had a pulse, you guys are winning the West uh, in 2022.
0: And their eight wins last year, they only gave up five TDs. Their wins, they held teams on average to six points a game. Iowa I, was an insane, weird anomaly in 2022 all across the board. Like, if you give even an average defense to that Iowa team last year, they're I, I awful. I remember
1: seeing a stat that um, if they would have punted on first down, <laughs> or maybe it was just like three plays and punt every single possession against Ohio State, their offense would have done better than they actually did. I mean, they were. Uh, turned over six times.
0: Matt Green. They're two and their are four um, August to September games uh, or yeah, August to September. They scored seven touchdowns in four games. In October, they scored six total. This was, I mean, you just go through the numbers, man, all across the board. Just awful. They averaged 12 points a game versus ranked teams last year. 12. Hmm.
1: So if I, so if I will overachieve, then who, who underachieved?
0: Here's who underachieved, Matt Green. It gives me no pleasure to mention this because I'm a I'm – a... I am ai
1: think I know what you're going to say. It's
0: P.J. Flack in Minnesota. Yeah, They were my I preseason SEC, uh, SEC, Big Ten West team. Should have been better. Tanner Morgan back for his 19th year. I understand Muhammad Ibrahim was pretty banged up in that sort of thing, and he's just not the same dude he once was. But, like, this was the I think year. he still
1: led the conference in rushing, though.
0: He did, but I, what was his yard per carry? It was pretty down. Um, I don't even know if he's going to get drafted. He's just kind of, he's been through a lot. Yeah. They should have won the Big Ten West this year. That was one of those where it's like, Minnesota or Wisconsin's down, Iowa's down.
1: Exactly. Like
0: This was your shot because the Big Ten East and West are going away. Then you're never getting back. Like That, that door is being slammed shut for programs like Minnesota. Like You'll never compete in the Big Ten title game. And this was it. For PJ Flex Group and I just, I think for me, I just I didn't see a more disappointing team as a whole than uh, what Minnesota went out with. Was that yours as well?
1: Yeah, that was mine, and you made my exact point because Iowa and Wisconsin, like this, four different teams have won the Big Ten West the last four years. Northwestern's actually the if you have to go back, the first team to win it twice. Northwestern is actually the the most recent team to win it twice, mm. but. With Wisconsin, it feels like, even though it's been a little crazy, it feels like Wisconsin and Iowa have, have been the most consistent programs in the West. And so, with both of them being as just down as they were, especially Wisconsin, this definitely felt like Minnesota's year to to win the West. And, and also, like, I mean, the 13-10 showing uh, against Iowa, like, second to last game of the season, like, I mean, they're in the Big Ten Championship if they don't lose that game. So, just... It was. I think they're definitely the biggest underachiever.
0: Can you even make this up? They only played one ranked AP team after it was all said and done. 12 unranked games, one ranked game uh, for for the Gophers.
1: Oh, yeah, because that was the other thing, that they avoided Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah,
0: they didn't <laughs> take advantage of that either. Yeah. Minnesota, in their wins, and by the way, got 35 games.
1: Got boat raced against that one ranked team.
0: They did. 12.8 points per game in losses, 35.1 in wins. Just yeah. a completely different team when they lost. So when they lost, they got their ass kicked. When they won, they were cooking with grease. But, man, Minnesota. I hate it because I like P.J. Fleck, but that was just – you You wasted it. Um, best game. Is there even a best game, Matt Green?
1: Um, I did a little bit of digging. I went with the uh... – I went with Purdue, Nebraska at Purdue. Mm. Uh, Purdue won 43-37, almost 1100 yards of offense in this game. Like it was a it was a pretty insane game. The craziest part, the time of possession in this game. Purdue 42-42, Nebraska 17-18 of uh in time of possession. So it was a mm. uh, it was a crazy game, 34-30 going into the fourth quarter and uh Purdue, you know, held them off, but uh yeah, that was probably the best just pure Big 10 West versus Big 10 West game I came up with.
0: There you go. Um should these fans expect the 2023 results most years. So we'll touch on the ones we haven't talked about, like Minnesota and uh Iowa. I want to ask you this. Northwestern one 11 I think, look, we grew up on bad Northwestern teams. We grew up just, they were, it's just a tough place to recruit. Tough place to win. Pat Fitzgerald's got a job as long as he wants it. Like, he gets NFL interest.
1: That football facility is incredible, though. It is. Because I don't know if you're aware of this. Chicago's on the ocean. Mm -hmm. Some people call it a lake, but if you can't see the other side, it's an ocean. That's a fact. Is that the rule? That's that's a rule. Just keep going. Don't don't think okay. about it too much.
0: Okay. Never heard that one before.
1: No, it it just it feels like it's a beach. It feel you can't see the other side. It feels like it feels like you're on the ocean. But wow. I didn't want to do. I didn't want to derail you there.
0: I but yeah, just, the practice facility is like right
1: there on the water. I think it almost like hangs over the water. It looks uh, it looks really cool.
0: Two thirds of ESPN went to Northwestern. It seems like is
1: that right? Who I know Will Bond,
0: j a Adonde uh Mike Adame, Greenberg
1: Okay. uh Greenberg, that's a good call. Yeah, I guess yeah. you're right. And uh who is it um Ju- Julia Louise Dreyfus? Mm-hmm. Her her son, son was Dreyfus, at yeah. uh, at uh, Northwestern a few years back.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I think fans should expect better. And this is what I think they should expect. Like if you're going to run this defense, you better be running the triple like, this offensive philosophy, we're running the pro style. Like, they're putting some offensive tackles in the draft every f- couple years. Rayshawn Slater last year for the, for the Chargers, and it looks like Peter Skaronski is going to be a first-rounder top-ten guy this year. But it's like, at what cost is it to put these offensive tackles in the first round of the NFL draft when your offense is just putrid year over year? You're not competitive. Like, it was so weird that they kept Ohio State in the mud for that little bit uh, last year. Matt Green, I certain, just...
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. That, w- that was a crazy weather game, though. I gotta throw that one out.
0: Yeah, but either way, I think fans should expect better, and I think they should expect that, like, hey, it's gonna be hard, so you have to get creative on offense to make this work and make us competitive. You can't be running pro style anymore. That needs to be banned. Whether it's the air raid or the triple, you are not allowed to run the offenses that you have run the last couple of years. I want you throwing every single time you either have a Mike Leach disciple or a Paul Johnson disciple Un- like that's your, that's required or you're fired. Like that is my AD staple at Northwestern. I think you have too short
1: of a memory, sir. This mm. is a uh, Northwestern, which I think they might just change the name of the football program to Pat Fitzgerald because mm. Pat Fitzgerald is Northwestern football Mm-hmm. They finished ranked tenth in 2020. They went mm-hmm. seven and two that year. Almost beat Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. Mm. Won the Big Ten West back in uh, 2018. Like, this is what they do. They went in ten and three 2017, nine and five 2018, then three and nine in 2019, then mm-hmm. seven and two in 2020. It's just not consistent. But it's it's gonna go up. It's gonna go down. You know, you just kind of have to accept it. Like, Northwestern honestly should expect to be the worst team in the Big Ten West. But if you got Pat Fitzgerald, they're just going to be years. They're the Mississippi State of the of the Big Ten West. Like, they should be the worst every year, but they're not usually. Like, they usually just beat some teams that they're not supposed to. And I think Pat Fitz, Pat Fitzgerald tends to get the most out of these teams. The last two years, they obviously haven't been very good. Uh, one conference win both years, but... I think uh, you just gotta trust the process. This is what this is what Northwestern football is. You don't you don't you don't finish ranked every year. You don't finish with a winning record every year. But just trust Pat Fitzgerald will get get you back there. He'll win. They'll win eight seven eight games or something. Surprise some people. Then miss a bowl game. Then make a bowl game. No, they'll be all right. This is Northwestern. This is what they do.
0: I'll allow it. I just <laughs> it's not me. It, uh, it's not me nebraska i think this is obvious four and eight i think the more interesting question now that matt rule is in the fold they're recruiting a little bit better a little bit more optimism probably the most amount of optimism in in corn country since since the day they hired scott frost honestly i mean who thought scott frost wasn't gonna work out i don't like there is some revisionist history there but i do think there's a lot more excitement for rule and I think it's because Rule won at Baylor and Rule just has a longer track record than Scott Frost had. And he had that one year at UCF and then that was it basically. So he was a little bit more of an unknown. Like he was um, like just the hero and the uh, just guy to bring him back. Obviously loved the university, that sort of thing. Rule feels safer to me. And I think Rule feels like I don't – I just – I think there is the most amount of excitement for him in a really long time in Lincoln, and I think it's it's well-earned. Like, the NFL stuff didn't really work out, but, like, the dude's a great college coach. He's probably a top-ten college coach right now. If I had to do just a list off the top of my head. Like, Matt Rule is one of the it's more – very cup-
1: small sample, too, though, right? Yeah. I mean, he had some years at – I want to say, was he at Temple before Baylor? Yes. So, I mean, you know, he's had been good at multiple stops, but I think he's – like I, he does feel safer. I'll give you that. Like Frost was like the next up and comer. Like kind of felt like the they were getting their Kirby Smart, their Jim Harbaugh like kind of thing. But um, I don't know. I'm definitely I'm not one to speak because I I was dead wrong. I definitely thought Scott Frost was going to work out. It was because it was what kind of was like Kirby Smart of like. Not the same because Georgia is a big-time program, but it's like the hottest assistant in all of college football. Would they have looked at Georgia as the place to be if they didn't go to Georgia? Like maybe. It's a big-time job, but it might not have been your number one destination. You may have looked at Auburn as like an equally good job, you know? Like Scott Frost, the the hottest coach out there is – and no world is ever going to look at Nebraska unless he played at Nebraska. So I felt like it was like this is the stars aligning to bring Nebraska football back. And and it wasn't at all. So they weren't even almost good while he was there. So Rule does feel a little safer. I think, yeah, like you said, I think obviously they don't expect to finish in second to last in the Big Ten West. And, you know, I, I, who knows how quick of a turnaround it could be. But it, it feels like with this with this division for sure, Which how long are we going to have it, one year? um you know we'll we'll see what could happen with uh with them and then obviously usc and ucla coming in the big 10
0: wisconsin i feel is a, is a little bit more obvious like luke vickles coming in seven and six like that's unacceptable there was a change made we know what the answer to that one is what we don't know now is illinois fans are they feeling themselves a little bit too much really good they're right there they kind of fumbled away at the end here and that michigan game was a heartbreaker for them brett bielma is just boring he plays a boring brand of football they run down your throat it's very physical but the guy is an expert hiring manager like he is i mean with ryan walters who gets the head job over at um purdue he brought him in from mizzou like he was kind of a sneaky interesting name who did some really good work for barry odom's group and he was great and he promotes from within um to replace him i think the guy's name's henry he was defensive backs coach but he has a strong identity he knows exactly who they are like we grew up in the juice williams era the ron Zuc era. but mac green illinois football is rough and by and large pretty tough football program last year it felt like they turned the corner just a little bit that look, man, they showed they can play a brand of football. It's pretty solid eight and four, eight and five. Like, should that actually be what fans expect out of this Bielema era, eight and four, seven and five, or like consistently, or should they expect more often than not four and eight, three and nine, but then you have that kind of year. Like you did a year ago, every three to four years.
1: I mean, based on Bielema's track record, I think there's definitely a reasonable expectation. Like, like he took over a really good program uh, with Barry Alvarez. You know, they were pretty well established, so he didn't have to, like, create the culture at Wisconsin by any means. But he was also there for, like, six or seven years, and he, he had a lot of success in his own right. So he didn't necessarily build Wisconsin, but we all know that identity that Wisconsin established. It was kind of weird the way he jumped to Arkansas, but I mean, Arkansas even had their eight and seven win seasons. And I imagine that's a a lot more difficult to do at Arkansas than it would be to to do at Illinois. So I don't think there's any reason that Illinois fans like really can't expect to, you know, be playing this, you know, two yards in a cloud of dust, traditional big 10, just pound the rock style. Like, and you know, they're, they're probably not going to win the West most years but i think there's no reason that you can't expect to compete in the west and be finishing in the top three in the conference or in the division consistently and I, which whatever we kind of equate that to once they get rid of divisions it's hard it's hard but like finishing in the upper half of the big 10
0: he was 68 and 24 as a whole at uh wisconsin like he won a lot of football games and i understand wisconsin's a better job than illinois but like i don't know like the I think they should actually expect six and six at worst most years um, from Bielema. I think it's fair to be like we should be. We are okay going bowling most years, but then I think it's fair to expect like an eight and four, nine and three type year every now and then.
1: For sure, I mean Wisconsin has not had the any sort of sustained success like in our lifetime, but mm-hmm. they've definitely had their their pop up nine, ten win seasons and. I think there's no reason why they're not a bold, a bold team every year, and then in their, good, in their good years, they're, yeah, like you said, winning nine, 10 games.
0: Last one here, Purdue. They win the West. Jeff Brom, though, out. Ryan Walters in. Graham Harrell, new OC. Matt Green, should Purdue fans expect the Boilermakers to have turned the corner and to be one of the premier winners? Back, uh, Kyle Orton drew Brees, is that back is it back the quarterback nflu here was oh,
1: a painter
0: curtis kurt, painter curtis painter yeah um, kurt kittner and curtis painter
1: they were probably that's probably around the same time right kurt kittner was like oh two i'm not sure um that's probably kyle orton era purdue no i they i mean they were a good program for sure in the 90s and the early 2000s like they were definitely respectable like team that you could count on to go to the capital one bowl. It seemed like every year, like I, I feel like Purdue maybe because it's just, just cause Georgia, I think, man, it may have played them in two different, uh, capital one bowls, um, in the nineties and two thousands, but they, they, they're the type of team that seems like that's, that's kind of their ceiling. Obviously with, with, uh, with Drew Brees, they, they went to a Rose bowl, but you know, I think that's just, that's the actual ceiling. Um, a, a 10 and two or something like that but yeah this felt more like iowa being bad wisconsin just being like so uncharacteristically bad like wisconsin is like in a national scale is almost like the most consistent program in the entire country it's like they're like basically never competing truly for a national championship but it, it, it doesn't feel like they're ever lower than like 15th right they're like the eighth to fifteenth team, just about every year. So to see them, you know, what were they? Finish seven and six, fire their coach is just like a. Because I mean, they went from Alvarez to Bilama, and then Bilama left them. So it's like we're not, we don't really have a, a history of Wisconsin ever firing coaches. So, um, yeah, to see them uh, or where they were, uh, but yeah, Purdue. So I just think it's kind of it was more of an indictment on the big 10 West and Purdue was fine this year. Like they were a good team, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know how many more big 10 championships you're getting to.
0: I would agree. Last question here on the big 10 West, Matt Green, who of these coaches has got the biggest target on their back or just under the most pressure to succeed in
1: 2023? Oh, so this is, this is kind of tough because I think the answer should be Kirk Ferentz.
0: I but agree. I don't
1: know. I don't know what happens at Iowa. Like, does he have dirt on somebody that it's like, I don't feel like his seat has even gotten warm. Like, I think it's just like they accept like.
0: Uh, well, he amended his son's contract as OC. He has to get he has to average a certain amount of points per game or he's fired. Remember like that feels like forever ago, but the contract is like, it's like 20 a game. Yeah. Something like that. It's in the (laughs) twenties. I know that.
1: Oh man. So Kirk Ferentz definitely should be under the most pressure. I just not sure that he is. I'm not sure he's fighting for his job in any way. I think Pat Fitzgerald kind of, they're kind of similar in that perspective in that respect. But um, obviously the programs are at different places, but I mean, I guess, when it comes down to it, like we are saying, underachievers, I think this, this conference, this division, just they all feel pretty good about their coach or they have brand new coaches because I would say the same thing about PJ Fleck with 2022 being kind of a missed opportunity. I don't feel like PJ Fleck's under any pressure at Minnesota. I think Minnesota's like, we might have a guy that actually wants to stay here like forever. Like, that'd be awesome. So, I, I, um, it's really hard to pick one, but I guess if I had to, I, w- I would say Kirk Ferentz.
0: Interesting. I think I agree. I think it's Kirk Ferentz. Um, we'll see if last year was a blip or it just keeps getting worse. Because Iowa fans were losing their minds last season. Like, absolutely losing their minds, what they're doing. I just... If you go into next year and that offense is somehow worse than it was a year ago, <laughs> goodness gracious. Whatever's left of Twitter.com and the Iowa fan base, I just... I'm worried about their their mental health um, if things are not better in uh, in Iowa City. i um, out of doubt
1: because it's one thing to I mean I think Tennessee fans you've as a Tennessee fan you've experienced. Leave it. us it's alone. Like, what are we like doing? It's like if you're gonna just be like seven and five, let's score some points and make it fun. Like seven and five and going. Th- Thirteen to nine or six to nine, like these like that—that's miserable to do to your fans. Like at least score some points, at the very least. We didn't have to win games.
0: No. All right, Macarena. Well, that's all I've got.
1: That's a pick on you, over there, Tennessee fans. I
0: know. Just let us enjoy some stuff. Just because you're not dealing with everything school um, uh, stuff right now, and you're in hibernation, just addicted to the the spring tape of Brock Vandergrift versus Carson Beck. Some of us are trying to enjoy ourselves. Hey, This enjoy is what I got the Atlanta Braves for. I
1: don't need Georgia to be good at everything. I got the Atlanta Braves to, to get me through the, the spring and the summer.
0: Mm, there you go. But wouldn't it be nice, though, to like have a little bit, like, when Braves are figuring stuff out in April, May, and June, you have the, the dogs in baseball to kind of play some important baseball, and then you transition to the Braves come summertime?
1: Um, I'd be honest, I probably wouldn't be watching that much of Georgia baseball anyway. Even if they but, were at the
0: season they had last, like that Tennessee just had last year, you wouldn't watch?
1: I mean, I would probably start to watch College World Series stuff. Like, but you wouldn't watch regular season. But I mean, it's, I don't even, I mean, how many baseball games are really on TV in college baseball? They're all on ESPN like,
0: Plus and the SEC Network.
1: Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to watch it like that. Like college basketball, like college basketball is a sport that's on a lot. Like it gets a lot of exposure, like. That final four, March Madness is a big deal. Like, I would love for Georgia to be good at at college basketball. Like, I would get into that, you know? And, I mean, I do try to watch Georgia, but they're just – they're not very good. So, from that perspective, I feel like there's a there's a FOMO from programs that have been good at basketball. But for baseball, it's like, eh, yeah, that's, that's fun. That's, you know, I got the brace. I don't need a college team. Wow. Wow! Hey, but I'm rooting on the dogs. Yeah, I'm rooting I'm, I'm rooting for you guys. But uh, you know,
0: he he really yeah. means that. Georgia you, gotta put a, like, you
1: gotta put a better product out there.
0: Wow! You heard that? <laughs> Foley Field not getting the Matt Green and uh, the not Matt Green seal of approval here. We'll I actually never Foley have Field.
1: been to a game at Foley Field. It's Ooh. a it's a nice looking stadium. All right. I need that, to uh, I need to get out there. That's enough for Matt Green down there in
0: Tequila, Georgia. I'm gonna get out there. That's like one of those guys when you run into a person you went to high school or college with that you don't actually want to hang out with and they're like we should grab coffee sometime and you're like yeah we should grab yeah. coffee sometime you know damn well you are never grabbing coffee with that person and i know damn well matt green's never going to foley field
1: that is that is not true i will i mean i went to a game of stegman this don't year, do this out of know, spite so i'm gonna be
0: annoyed if you and Tori go out of spite now i'm just gonna be oof beside I, myself matt green
1: whatever the reason is i will i think I think I I think I should go to a baseball game. Not That's enough. It. I, I just, just said it. I'm going. I did this to myself. No, maybe not this season. But um, look yeah. at him. He couldn't even hold it for it. two there.
0: seconds. You couldn't just be like, ah, you couldn't leave it there. You already you canceled the plan already.
1: No, I I um I got I got I got the bravos, the the strippers. You know, I haven't watched a Stripers game. I can't pretend You'll to. You'll
0: watch it on Saturday. That's though, true. Matt Green. You'll watch it on Saturday. So, yeah. All right, Matt Green. Well, I'll see you on Saturday when I'm back in Atlanta for the weekend with my wife and uh, uh, with Tori. And maybe we get the dogs involved. Is it Bark at the Park? That'd be fun. I don't know. Would Zeus or Maddox be okay at the We
1: definitely would not bring back to that, honestly. Uh, I just know Tori wouldn't be able to relax. Like, I think Mm. the dogs would be fine, but we need to get them out. We need to socialize them a little more before uh, before we throw all that stadium stuff at him
0: all right well talk clock's ticking on zeus he's up there in double digits man if you're trying to socialize over here you need to be you need to be on it maddox yeah he's he's young no, zeus, and zeus rambunctious
1: is zeus's problem is everyone else everyone oh. else sees this huge dog and they're intimidated but it's like mm. he really he's old he's not. Like, you're not he's not trying to mess with you he's just he's just doing his thing
0: he's just trying to rehab that torn acl <laughs> My, so my parents'
1: dog actually do, did have a torn ACL. She's struggling these days.
0: Oh, man. Yeah. Mm. Wow. Simba,
1: get better out there.
0: <laughs> it's a good name. You don't want to hear it. I would have thought Simba would be a more common dog name, uh, but I've never actually heard one before just then.
1: Parents' dog, last thing. I know you're trying to sign off here. Parents' dogs, basically all named after Brady's players. Mm. First two dogs were Fred and then McGriff. So this is this an then, Andrews and
0: Simmons type deal?
1: Exactly. It was, she looks kind of like a lion, like she's kind of mm. coloring. And so like my dad threw out Simba and I was like, you know, Andrews and Simmons is his nickname, literally got traded like two weeks later. Mm. And, like, and now the, the newest dog they have is Dansby. So they've had her for a couple of years, but now Dansby's gone. So what can you do?
0: That's commitment. They just keep also committing. I
1: skipped over Bailey, and I just want to respect Bailey. wasn't a Braves player, but you know, Boss Bailey, Chant Bailey, just R.I.P. You know, to Bailey out there. Oh, and I left out
0: Chipper, not Boss Bailey, the person, Chipper, just Chipper Bailey the dog, <laughs> uh,
1: the dog named Chipper. My parents love the Braves. Most of the dogs are Braves, but Bailey always was the disrespected dog. She was. She was a special needs dog, she, you know. She was uh, she was just real skittish. We kind of call her. She's not really special needs, but she was like, from the moment we got her, she was just like. What is weird. happening at the end of this pod? She that, was group? weird and she was skittish, and so she didn't get a lot of love. So you know, just just giving some love to Bailey out there. Rest in peace. <laughs>
0: all, my, all my, all our former dogs.
1: Yeah, we can we cut all this out. Of no, mind? I'm making uh, all this. In. <laughs> this
0: is preposterous. uh I can't wait for Tori and your mom to listen to this. To be the honest, podcast. that's why yep. I
1: said something because I felt like Tori would be like, "You gave all the other dogs a shout out and didn't say anything about Bailey." I almost forgot Chipper too. Chipper. All the dogs are equal, but Chipper is definitely my mom's favorite dog. She can pretend that she liked, she likes them all the same, but Chipper was definitely her favorite.
0: Mm. There you go. For that guy down there in Tequila, Georgia, Matt Green, for myself up here in Knoxville, Tennessee, that is all we've got. And we'll be back with another episode. We might, I don't know if we'll do Sunday night. We'll see, uh, depending on how travel and getting back and all that kind of stuff goes. But we'll see. Either way, Matt Green, enjoy the rest of your week and enjoy the spring game uh, on Saturday. Tennessee, Nico versus Joe over there. Carson versus Brock in Athens. going to be a fun weekend. True. A lot of college football. So enjoy, and I'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, that you're interviewing, Mm -hmm. your um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you.